0: Welcome back um, to Bring the Jury podcast. We've had a little bit of time off for vacations and Memorial Day. These guys just got back from the beach, hence the the bronze glow. <laughs> the tan,
1: tan glow of justice.
0: <laughs> the tan glow of justice. I love it. Yeah, so I'm here with Luke and Brian Sheely of the Sheely Law Firm here in Columbia, South Carolina, also located in Charleston, South Carolina. On this podcast, we cover a wide variety of different uh, true crime cases here in America. Um, lately, we've talked about the Alec Murdoch trial, um, Stephen Smith, which we're going to touch on today. Um, we've also talked about the Idaho Four and Brian Koberger. We've even gone all the way down to talk about Alec Baldwin. And uh, we're always taking new recommendations for cases that you guys are interested in and want more information about. Um, so yeah, we'll go ahead and get started with Stephen Smith. What's going on today? We
1: haven't talked about Stephen Smith in a while. We, you know, kind of got to a culminating point when they got permission to exhume his body kind of a recap essentially was that um, this was allowed to Stephen to have his body exhumed. It was uh, forensically and even archaeologically examined. Um, They hired an outside pathology unit um, out of Florida that was highly regarded and everything was done appropriately. And so a lot of New forensic testing, and so that's kind of where the case has has rested until very recently. The most recent information is that the grand jury has been impaneled, which basically means um, you know they've got you know grand jurors, people from the community that have been normal everyday folks, have been summoned to hear testimony and evidence in a, in a grand jury investigation. And that's, they've been impaneled. And so that's been going on for about two weeks now. And, and you know, we were talking about this Hannah, um, before the, the episode here, you don't just kind of willy nilly start impaneling a grand jury unless you're, you've got, unless law enforcement, and again, this is going to be SLED, South so Carolina law enforcement division has their ducks in order and they're ready to bring witnesses forward, bring evidence, and let the grand jury hear information. And so, Luke, what do you think that means in terms of warrants or search warrants or anything else
2: coming out of this proceeding? Well, it's it's any and all the above, and it's not like some defense lawyer there or there's somebody for the other side. It's 18 folks, 12 of them have to agree there was probable cause, and, and the Sled through their attorneys and the attorney general's office are, are are providing that evidence to establish it, but it means probable cause of somebody for a crime. So before in this case was dead in the water, it was kind of this hit and run, this tragedy. <clears throat> but due to the whole Murdoch situation, it you know, Miss Stephen Smith's mom really due to the national attention, international attention got publicity, got help, got a GoFundMe, got everybody's attention. And it
1: was even um, covered on a Netflix documentary, which was yep. totally covering the the Murdoch situation, which
0: mm-hmm. to and this point is not connected. Mandy Matney's, yep, uh, yep, everything was and Matney's podcast as well had a lot with Steven Smith. And only
2: because poor Buster Murdoch's name was constantly <laughs> thrown in this in the rumor mill did it get that traction, that, that sense of, well, let's do something about these Murdoch's, everybody threw a bunch of money at it, law enforcement through SLED, wanted to seem like they were giving it attention, but very quickly as they gave it attention, they were also, you know, you had statements from uh, Mr. Miss Smith's attorney, uh, Mr. Bland saying, well, this was never really about the Murdoch's, <laughs> and things like that. So it,
0: <laughs> it got the funding, it. it got
2: the attention, but it probably, those indictments will probably be against some of the folks that were initially in the circle of suspicion, there were obvious leads that would not be Buster. Um, that would be Patrick Wilson and Sean Connolly. Yeah,
0: let's let's yeah. recap really quick, just the timeline with, you know, when everything was happening live time, what happened and maybe what went wrong to get these guys out of the circle of suspicion.
2: Nothing was done. I mean, that's, I mean, what? <laughs> well, the whole, you guys, all you viewers out there know this, but poor Mr. Stephen Smith was found dead in the middle of the road, with his loosely tied shoes on, his car was a little ways away as if he'd been walking. And there was essentially local law enforcement in a corner thought that he had a hole in his head consistent with a gunshot wound. Well, USC um, pathologist Presnell quickly determined through her science, um, and the fact that there's no projectile there, no exit wound, well, this is not a gunshot wound. This is some type of blunt force trauma consistent with being hit by a vehicle and that you basically had this lead investigator at the time that stormed into her office and said why do you think this and she's like well why don't you and so that kind of really got a a furor about the situation and uproar where he was disgruntled but they had no they had some information but they didn't have evidence of a of a murder through a traditional weapon like a bat or a shooting it was just a lot of speculation by people who really weren't trained to make that, but they, they had some leads. We had the, the, the older boyfriend,
0: boyfriend Mr.
2: Burkhardt, who had so many inconsistent statements where he was clearly concerned about being a suspect and just really just being wildly um, protesting too much his innocence and then you had and pointing
0: other... blame on random people in the Cayman right, right. I don't and know then,
2: uh, ignoring law enforcement but then calling making excuses for his last communication and then going to Florida and getting assault charges so he <laughs> he was a juicy suspect but really the juicier ones I mean they had credible leads about literally a Patrick Wilson says a Mr. Connolly told me he hit uh, Stephen Smith with his car Mm-hmm. That's about as credible as something you track down as you get. And per the report, the officer I think went to one school, and they say, "Oh, he doesn't go here anymore. He went to he goes to this one now." He then goes to that school. Then they say he's not here today.
0: Great day to be seen. That, that for this is guy. it. That
2: that was the end of the inquiry. That is, is the circle of suspicion it's is closed. erased, <laughs> and this is because. That plus the pathologist saying it was not a a murder in the, in the in the mental sense of it, it just died like a grape on the vine, just withered up because it had no attention, it had nothing. And then it was only with the Murdoch situation that it really got the attention it needed. Where, ironically, naturally, people, law enforcement, would look ridiculous if they didn't pick up on these leads. So. Um, Mr. Bland, on behalf of Mrs. Smith, said I think on Court TV that he really as a representative of that family are being told all this stuff that we started off this program with warrants could be coming, they're seeking indictments. It's just a question of who that is. And I would bet my entire law firm in practice (laughs) that it's not going to be Buster. (laughs) So, and, and
1: the names that were initially investigated, but just they went to a standstill. I mean, we're talking about Patrick Wilson and Sean Connolly. So, you know, Wilson's kind of, you know, saying, well, Connolly, you know, hit hit Stephen. You know, Wilson, at you know, around this time as well, had an attempted murder charge mm-hmm. that was dismissed by that circuit solicitor's office. So who knows exactly why that happened? I don't know if it was in connection to anything what is not maybe reported so far. But you know, there's so much insinuation. And let's think about back then in 2015, before, you know, for, for right or wrong, better or worse, Buster Murdoch has always kind of been, his name has already always been kind of rumored as connected to this. Mm-hmm. And you know, back then with the power and the influence that the Murdochs had in that community, you even have Randy Murdoch is basically saying, um, you know, call law enforcement. You know, Wilson's allegedly telling his stepfather that Connolly is the one who hit Stephen. And then Wilson's stepfather apparently is reporting this because Randy Murdoch told him. So yeah. even though there's no information connecting a Murdoch to this, you know, Randy Murdoch is there. And so as powerful as they were at the time, if there was kind of rumor-type information about Buster and then Randy is saying call law enforcement, that could maybe put a chilling effect on law. Like, you go to a school and they're not there. Okay, I guess my work here is done, you know, because the Murdochs are on paper.
0: Just encouraging me to kind of check that yeah, box.
1: And they, I just don't know yeah. why. Um, follow-ups weren't done. You got someone essentially confessing that someone else has done something
2: yeah that's probable cause all day long and the wild thing that will occur if an indictment comes and if someone gets arrested unless this maybe it's one of these original suspects maybe it's not again it's not going to be a buster but this case will get national maybe international attention it will have all the bells and whistles and hoopla just simply because it was murdoch adjacent
0: yeah
2: yeah. <laughs> i mean. If I'm, you know, Buster, and one of these original obvious suspects gets indicted and arrested, I'm going to be pretty damn upset, and I'm going to be Mm. kind of wanting my apology uh, because he just was drugged through the mud throughout this whole thing, just based on objectively what a bad person his dad might have been, and because his name was dropped, and he was, you know, generally the right age. Yeah. The media just ran with it. They just went
0: nuts.
1: And we got to also, we can't just forget law enforcement, the one complete 180 they did on this case. So before the Alec Murdoch trial, and again, apples and oranges, right? But before the trial, this Stephen Smith investigation was, it was, you know, essentially closed as a hit and run, but with no like malicious intent just a unsolved hit and run, which by the way is, is a crime. Um, and then after the Murdoch successful prosecution and, you know, all law enforcement who prosecuted that case along with SLED were kind of doing their victory lap down in Walterboro. And I rem- I remember this Mark Keel who's a relatively private spokesperson for SLED. He's not always up and out there in front of the the media on specific cases. He he said, by the way, anyone associated with the Sandy or Stephen Smith um, investigation, we're coming for you. If you had something to do with it, we're coming for you. Um, And they reversed. They basically said, this investigation is wide open. We're now looking at it again
2: Um, And he basically—we think it's a murder. They
1: kind of—they were strutting, and they
2: were. I think that was such a flex to push back on how criticized they were as a law enforcement agency throughout that trial. So in the the aftermath,
1: like the next day aftermath, or maybe even it was it was after the sentencing. So yeah, after the the jury came back on the on the guilty verdict, we had to wait a day for the sentencing. Judge Newman did the sentencing, and then there was that sunny afternoon. Afternoon, everyone was wearing sunglasses, and they were all giddily talking about, you know, the case and the sentence and everything else. And that was when Mark Keel said, "By the way, we're coming for anyone associated with this case. We're diving back into it." And then shortly after that, they reversed their um, position on it. This is now a homicide investigation. We're changing our minds. We were wrong. That doesn't happen. In many many podcast episodes ago, we were saying that doesn't happen. That does a lot because whoever, whoever does get charged on this, whether it's Connolly or Wilson, is going to say, uh-uh-uh. You guys... Wrote said, it off. You guys, uh-uh. You always said this was closed for this yeah. reason. Now you change your tune. And again, it's because of Netflix. It's because of the national, international coverage of this. Yeah.
2: I mean, think about poor Miss, Um Smith, who back in 2016 wrote this letter to the FBI. I'm sure that got thrown right in the shredder, from mailbox to shredder, because she didn't have any attention. But now, because they were so tied in to the Murdoch network, mm-hmm. she could snap her fingers and get on CNN or anything and be like, I want to know what's happening. SLED investigated my boy's death in the first place and so nothing happened. And then that network turns the sled and goes, "Do you have a comment?" So of course they have to look accountable, look professional, look responsible, and reopen this thing and arrest somebody just based based for total credibility um, because it was maligned, and now Mrs. Smith has that that media power that she can wield just because they're Murdoch adjacent. So back then in 2015 they had probable cause to
1: arrest, and they didn't do anything. And then the case got closed by SLED, who screwed around with it. And now, they've got cell phone records that they're gonna, they unlocked Steven's phone and tablet.
0: Oh, they did.
2: Now, I'll say this. SLED back then didn't necessarily screw around with it, but once the pathologist said, this is a hit and run, this is not a murder, in the traditional sense, they'd give it back to the same investigator, local law enforcement, and they screwed around with it and didn't follow up any leads. Right. So they so got
1: out of it. Right. So they had probable cause back then to make an arrest, and they didn't do it. But now, what well, they're going to have post Murdoch and now um, new evidence, they they're going to have Stephen Smith's phone, which they've already said they've, they've got and they've unlocked it. They're going to have this new fresh autopsy and forensic pathology done. That's going to be potentially revealing more physical evidence. The doc, the got Dr.
2: Kinsley. Ken Kinsley. Kinsley? Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> his billable rate has, has gone up a little bit more than the Murdoch trial, but he's going to be putting fresh eyes on it. I mean, uh, he's part of the new team based on the GoFundMe. He's got theories. He's got fresh eyes. You know, he, he's, uh, again, Murdoch expert witness, here we are in a case that is merely Murdoch adjacent, but he'll have some theories to help work, but I'm sure SLED will do their own independent analysis. But because all that money was raised, Dr. Um, Kinsey can get paid to look at this. So it's quite interesting, and it does make me kind of feel for all the normal folks out there who right or wrong their cases were never solved whether it was with any true malice or just a standard hit and run and because they weren't murdoch adjacent they didn't have adjacent they did not have that
1: power to discuss for every any and all unsolved murders in this country just say a murdoch did it and then call your local reporter right and, you'll, lead it up. and you'll you'll drive an investigation like that, <laughs> if we anything and then you'll get your your case
2: soft hook, because a squeaky wheel gets <laughs> greased.
0: How was that? A baseball game, and the Murdochs were there one time, and I swear that this is connected to Stephen Smith's murder, you know, <laughs> out of all the word works. So, do we know if the autopsy has formally come back yet? Do we have those results, or will we just find that out when...
1: If, if they're back, and I imagine they <clears throat> are back... Um, there is top secret, it's top locked down. there's not going to be any, you know, public dissemination of it, it's going to be, hit you over the head with it when, when SLED is
2: ready for it. Now, I will give you this little tidbit that I hadn't thought about till now. So Brian and I like to vacation at Edisto, which is, <laughs> which was widely publicized as where, the Murdochs had their Edisto house and where Maggie liked to spend a lot of time. Did y'all take a field trip when you so we were We were a stone's throw away from right, right, the, the Our house. house we researched was literally 250 yards from their house. So we did ride our little bikes over there just for <laughs> curiosity uh, purposes. Nice setup. Um, so It is a nice setup. Yeah. I
0: think that's where, I mean, I know that Buster has, you know, allegedly nothing to do with this, but... Isn't that where he's currently kind of hiding out and staying?
2: I, I don't uh, know. I thought I heard that and we didn't know if it was sold. I thought he was living with his girlfriend on Hilton Head.
0: Oh, okay. A different beach house.
2: Well, Edisto is a great place. So I would, if I had to pick, I
0: would stay You're there. Goodness.
2: <clears throat> anyway, we, Anyways. Di- we
0: digress.
1: So we don't know about any kind of new pathology information, but, I mean, the way the grand jury process goes, there are investigating, they're taking testimony. If you recall in the Alec Murdoch trial, I can't remember exactly who, but it was some witness was on the stand and said something that was somewhat inconsistent with their grand jury testimony. And there um, was the, I remember.
2: Which one was it? I think it was Odin. It was one of the lead investigators that essentially lied. Oh yeah. And got busted in two different lies. Mm. Um, that he knew at the time were directly not truths (laughs) and that was one of the best moments for the defense in the trial from my perspective is that jim griffin was able to impeach him with that and get him to admit that and there i recall a dramatic moment where uh sealed well i think he he went he knew that the blood spatter analysis that they had sent off that the law enforcement got excited about was not human blood at the time he went to the grand jury. It was something like right. that. Yeah, yeah, it was. But he still
1: presented it. He did. And I, I remember a moment where Griffin was able to rip open a, jan, a grand jury transcript of testimony
2: and kind of dramatically open it in court and then, you know. Right. Well, that's the beautiful thing about a statewide grand jury, unlike a regular county grand juries. And we're not talking about the federal system, but county, state grand juries in South Carolina are just vaults of secrecy, whereas a statewide jury has a transcript. And so that's why Jim Griffin was able to get that and use that. And transcripts are always helpful. Mm,
0: Love a transcript.
2: So all that is going on as we speak, and I'm sure it'll be with great fanfare whenever an indictment is announced. And I would suspect that Mr. probably, Mr. Conley, unless it's just something wildly off base, might need to have representation. Oh, he He should already have it. He needs it anyway. Um, He should already have representation. But maybe we'll be surprised and there'll be something completely out of left field, but it will not be poor Mr. Buster.
0: (laughs) Quick question. Um, With information that is so top secret to a case like this, um, for example, the autopsy results, would immediate family have access to those results once they were made available? Or is it like, everyone's going to be kind of finding out together? Will sweet Sandy Smith. know the result
1: there's that would have to be totally at the discretion of law enforcement right now. Do they, what's the levels of trust? I mean, they're, they are in communication with Eric Bland, Sandy Smith's lawyer. He seems to be getting a good bit of information. Um, yeah you know, they don't they don't ever want to say anything so specific in the very beginning that could detract long term and you know people could start you know attacking the opinions. but maybe there could be some general, kind of disclosures that the I mean, family can get
2: updated on. Well, she paid for it. It was a private autopsy. Well, that is, that is totally right. right. It was, that was a private autopsy. That is true. It wasn't uh, law enforcement also attended with great interest, but this is not an official law enforcement. Auto- I mean, I don't think you're going to find anything wildly different than Dr. Presnell. I mean, maybe <laughs> they piece together the bone fragments in a way that they can go well. Sure, it's consistent with a moving vehicle, but I think it's a certain type of side view mirror of a truck, maybe they opine even further. And I think they were looking, I mean, you're not gonna find, I don't think, any DNA that wasn't looked for in the first place. And I recall there being some like blue-pink chips that were kind of Mm -hmm. halfway tracked down. I think, so it's really to make mrs smith feel better um i'd be shocked if they had something that just a hair came out of out of that casket they're like aha and they ran through some database and like it was suspect well one. we've
1: also had tons of experiences where state experts and defense experts mostly differ on major opinions Here we're going to have a state head of MUSC pathology department, the initial pathologist, who, like, that's kind of what we're talking about. That is always going to be baked into this investigation. Her analysis of it as a hit
2: and run, and run, and then whatever... But a hit and run can be a murder. Yep, sure can. You just need, you don't know the mental state of the person who's driving the car until you talk to them, and if they permit themselves... Oh, our, our people are out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, definitely. Blowing, 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 blowing the leaves. Oh, the, and,
1: uh, that's right. The, um, the new pathology outfit is final diagnosis.
2: Final mm-hmm. diagnosis. Right. So you, it might be that they get to a hypothetical suspect who they think was driving the car, and he just spills the beans under pressure, and they say, Son, get on this polygraph. You need to tell the truth. It's going to be way better for you if you do classic techniques that they like to do. And he's like, yeah, I'm so scared. Therefore, it's just a hit and run. Or he says, yeah, I've hated this guy since he, you know, I knew he was homosexual and he made made a snarky comment and I got drunk, so I decided to purposely run him down. That's murder and hit and run. So they just need a suspect. So I, I would be wildly surprised if a new autopsy comes up with like you're not going to hear, oh, it's a gunshot wound. You're not going to hear, oh, it's he was beaten to death with a, pu- a pool cue, and here's how we know, know why. You're not going to hear any of that. It's just going to be... Well, we heard from the coroner at the time that it was
1: definitely a gunshot wound. Remember that?
2: Right. The funeral home director who used to be a coroner, <laughs> and he saw a hole in the head and said, man, that's a gunshot wound. And then the that got... The The troopers troopers got very agitated about that, but that was easily dismissed because there was no projectile, there was no exit wound, there was no stippling. It was a hole, but not a gunshot wound.
0: Something else that could possibly be useful if ever found um, is the missing rape kit.
1: Yes. Uh, well, I think, I think that initially was reported as missing, but I think ha- it has been you know, uh,
0: it has been found: re- oh, Yeah,
1: yeah there, there was some reporting after it initially was said that it was not able to be found. they were like, yeah, we got it we, we, <laughs> we got it all together but yeah I real mean, no, no, quick and there so, is it. So I think the, the secondary reporting is no, we have it, we're good. Um,
0: Does that but we don't know anything about that, I guess.
2: Well, that type of stuff would be totally in law enforcement's control, and they would keep that very close to the vest, whether they can run it through any databases or compare it to any samples from any potential suspects. I mean, as part of the grand jury process, they could go, you know, and they are smart for someone's DNA. Mr. Burkhardt, come here, give me your DNA. And that might tell you something. Your oh boy, Mr. Burkhart. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they can rule uh, Hannah, time.
1: when he was first being mentioned, you you wanted yeah. to get him.
0: Yeah, I was a little biased. I just, all all signs are pointing to Bickhart, in my opinion. And they may may still be if he comes through in that orange jumpsuit. I mean,
1: he was an older man, romantically involved with yeah. Steven.
0: Found on Craigslist. Found on
1: Craigslist. He fled the state. Mm-hmm. He got he got into a big brawl down in Florida. Got charged. Wildly yep.
2: inconsistent statements.
0: Yep. And as we the know... Totally b- bizarre statements. As
2: we know, when you're a romantic partner mm-hmm. who makes wildly inconsistent statements, you are in, in the, the, the circle, circle. of of the investigation until you get yourself out so how did he get himself out
0: i have no clue But it's the golden question maybe he wasn't at school that day not at school <laughs> so, okay. a little too old for school yeah a little too old for school he wasn't an adult ed um okay so switching gears quickly here you all obviously are criminal defense attorneys uh here in south carolina how would you represent? Let's say we're we talking Patrick Wilson or Sean Sean Connolly. I always want to say, isn't there like a celebrity whose name is like that? Sean, Sean Con- 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 Connery. Connery.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, I always almost
0: want to say Sean Connery. Former but...
2: Mister Scotland, bodybuilder, famous the the, Victor. The, the best Bond, the best Bond, the best Bond,
0: the best Bond. Um, Heard it here.
2: How would we represent something like that?
0: Yeah, what, what would be some of your key things that you would be really interested to learn more about? Like whether it be, you know, obviously the initial questioning and how it just immediately died. Or you know, what are some things that you would find we most We wouldn't valuable? care
2: about anything. We just simply blame Buster. And you, and we just need one jar to buy Buster, Buster, if you're out there, I'm kidding, we never blame you, but yeah. um,
0: not, not you, neighbor. But you, <laughs> have, to, you have to
2: figure out what you, what is your best theory of defense. That's based on the evidence they have against you. Obviously, with the massive amount of time, the fact that he was ruled out apparently by the lead investigator at that time, that it was they don't have any independent evidence. Do they have a car consistent with impact? Do they have any motive? Lord willing, you hope your client doesn't come to you having fully confessed. Well, here's the difference
1: between us and a lot of criminal defense lawyers and even on the Murdoch case, any kind of high profile case, you lock it down. You shut the F up. You're not giving press conferences. You're not you know, having your client give a telephone interview in the middle of rehab. If we were representing anybody that got charged with, associated with this case, they would have, they would be in a straitjacket and they'd be locked in a closet in our office and we wouldn't let them see the light of day until we got all the evidence. And yeah, we have a
0: few people here now.
1: Right, <laughs> just locked up right, on ice, ready for us to defend them, but they're not going out and getting in trouble. They're not talking to anybody. Mm-hmm. Their social media is not existing. Delete. Delete social, everything's done. There's no outside world at all with our clients our murder clients especially that are, you know, we're trying to protect them. And then what we do is we don't give press conferences. We're not given a lot of interviews. We're not given two, three interviews. But we wait for the evidence to come. And then we can look at it. And then, and only then do we have a conversation with our client about what the evidence reveals, what are the best defenses? and go. Um, and in this kind of case, it's going to be, there'll be a lot of people to point fingers at just because of how the case evolved Mm -hmm. i had a case in court today that was
2: really a tough case was all by a very uniquely worked out plea i never once had a conversation with my client about the allegation the offer was presented he wanted to take the deal i didn't sit here and ask him to tell me this or that but he locked it down he did his job he kept his head down he stayed out of trouble and we waited all this time, and it worked out quite well for him. When you don't make evidence against yourself, that's step number one. Yeah, and that, was a, that could have been a life-changing
1: outcome for him. But because, if I recall, you shut that down.
2: Shut it down. And then you arranged a turn-in from across the world. Moved here from a different country and quietly went about our business of resolving this case.
0: Was there a language barrier? Nope. <laughs> that would have just been interesting. I don't know. tidbit. it always
2: helps. So if an whoever if an indictment comes for these, whoever they get an indictment for, assuming they do, they will approach that person and try to probably interrogate the snarkies out of them. All three of these individuals that we mentioned on this episode
1: need to be lawyered up right now.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: their lawyers don't need to be... Giving statements, being video recorded in cars, talking to investigators with their lawyers present. They just need to shut up. Mm-hmm. Whoever it may be. But someone's getting charged. Yeah. But not, but not Buster.
0: Not Buster. Um, oh, I just had a question and now it just totally vanished from my mind.
1: Ah! You're thinking about Switzerland.
0: I am thinking about Switzerland. I'm about to leave. I'm getting out of the country. When is that again? Uh, I leave on the 29th mm. Atlanta. Uh, I, sorry, Atlanta. I, I didn't
1: mean to broadcast your vacation plans. But no, you're fine. I mean, sorry uh, about that.
0: <laughs> I'm going to Switzerland. If anyone has any recommendations, send them my way. We might go down to Italy as well. Um, I'm not fleeing the country for any reason. I wouldn't have to. I would have great legal representation. Um, unless you guys are lawyers that do tell people to get out of the country sometimes. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, Makes it more difficult. Yeah. Unless you go to Argentina.
0: Um, okay, well here, real quick. Uh, This wasn't the question I was going to answer, but I did just open up to, of course, um, a statement uh, about Mark Bickhard, where Smith was on the phone with him at the time, moments before he died, um, saying that he was out of gas and that he thought he was being followed before the call dropped. So maybe we'll talk briefly about what what do we think the phones will reveal or the iPad? What are some of the key...
1: I mean, it's going to be always the last people you're communicating with. They're going to be looking, you know, extracting it, looking for any negative history with anybody, texts, emails, social media accounts. Um, you know, they can do the geolocation. I mean, they can do everything. The phones are an incredible tool by law enforcement. So, I mean, the fact that the phones were not accessed, at, back at the time of the killing, mm-hmm. it was just kind of incredible. I mean, even back then, there was tons of it. I mean, we've been dealing with phone information in criminal defense cases for decades now in terms of, you know, what prosecution can can use and, and extrapolate from them. But, yeah, who, do, who is he talking to? Yeah. Um, you know, Burkhart or Hart saying I was on the phone with him. Mm-hmm. Right around the time, were you really? Yeah, right. <laughs> were you really? really? Or really? You met, are you trying I mean, to cover? Stephen's
2: re- phone doesn't reflect that. That would be yeah. a real problem. That's a powerful. critical. Because it's it's Mr. Bickhart's account of trying to say that he Get himself thought he was being the... like, followed. Yeah. And like, oh, I hear trucks in the distance. Yeah. And it's kind of like helping to promote this rumor that's spreading that this is a murder. Um, and obviously as a romantic partner of somebody, you're gonna be upset. But like, I'm just going through the report again. And I was like, first contact states a relationship. He's, then second contact states he thinks foul play was involved. Third contact, sat down. He wasn't sure about timelines, just rambled in conversation. Then he's calling. He, now he won't stop calling. Bickart called. Bickart, Bickart called, time. left a voice message. Bickart called. Um, uh, Bickart called and then it goes on until finally he talks about.
0: And this is him calling the like law enforcement, the investigator. Yeah, Yeah.
2: um, it's just so like I always love when independent evidence either rules in or rules out something, so that's what you're looking for if you're law enforcement. But if they got his phone records and there was like no call from Bickart. I'd be going right back to Bickhart and being like, mm-hmm. Why are you lying to us? Yeah. Uh, again, tip to contact Bickhart voicemail. Now he, now he's stonewalling then. I can't get a hold of him. Um, that might have been when he was moving to Florida.
0: Right. He was packing, he was very busy.
2: Yeah, I mean it's just very inconsistent. So
0: I mean perhaps they were all three somehow involved and mark was just orchestrating the whole thing keeping his tabs on his location you're a a mark
2: hater (laughs) (laughs) No, really no 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 um well well, the phone will be a wealth of
0: information yeah definitely definitely um let let's not let let's just be distracted Mm -hmm. um from the facts (laughs) give us the facts um Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that we still don't know yet, a lot to be revealed. Do we have um, any timeline for when all this stuff will start rolling out or when we may see? No,
1: but these types of investigations, you know, kind of once charges are brought, um, I mean, law enforcement has the advantage because they are ready. They've investigated. It was very much like the Murdoch case done the same way. Hmm. You know, state grand jury and, you know, uh, Murdoch's defense team were trying to push back. I mean, normally you really want more time to deal with the weeks or maybe months of grand jury testimony, go through it, all the evidence that's been, been produced from that. So really, I mean, just by the mechanism that if and very likely a charge is brought, once it gets served and bond set or actually not set, bond would not be set, um, any defense lawyer is going to be back on their heels because law enforcement has been proactively moving their pieces across the board, and then you got to fight back pretty quickly. So this will be, you know, law enforcement is always in a better position than like just a, a normal probable cause warrant from a local law enforcement that did like a you know shoddy job, and then it gets kicked to a local solicitor's office, and they're trying to pick up the pieces and figure out well wait wait a second. How am I prosecuting this case? This is entirely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so law enforcement once they get this thing going will be very much in the driver's seat and then it'll be defence lawyer will be reacting and trying to, you know, do the best they can and I'm sure there'll be scheduling conferences and it'll be, you know, whole big shebang again.
0: Do we know um, like the location? I imagine it was probably difficult to get a jury.
2: A, a grand jury? Yeah. No, I mean, they just subpoenaed those folks in randomly. But
0: you don't think that they had any, like... Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, in terms of finding someone doesn't know anything about this? That, yeah. I I think that that process... I don't know that there's a whole lot of void deer in the grand jury process. I think you just get randomly hit. And it's just, just... Yeah. And you presented evidence because it's, it's just probable cause. It's not a final determination of guilt. So it's just an impaneled grand jury through the normal grand jury process... And
0: no defense there, it's just do we move forward?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they put up all that evidence, and if 12 out of those 18 think that there's probable cause for whatever crime they're trying to put forth, and whatever person, based on the evidence that's presented, that's going to produce an indictment or it won't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's pretty rare that grand juries convene and don't produce an indictment especially in South Carolina, unless they're trying not to, unless law enforcement is kind of trying to kill a case or purposely reduce a case because mm-hmm. theres it's not an adversarial process. It's a prosecutor with law enforcement presenting mm-hmm. evidence that they believe shows a crime was committed. So once they have all their ducks in a row, they go forth and present that. And as long as the grand jury is like, well, sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm ready to go to lunch. <laughs> they stamp that
1: bad boy, and there you go. Um. So... And then it's going to be like, I'm calling Netflix.
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Get my quote. Um, very cool. Um, so I think we'll really wrap up there today with Stephen Smith. But we do have um, something that just came in recently that you all may have heard about, depending on how deep in the true crime world you are, um, that we do want to talk about um, as this talk about. unfolds. Brian, I'll let you go ahead and... Just give us a little, give us a little trailer.
1: So in Utah, there's this woman last name Rickens, Richens, who basically her husband died. And then she basically became somewhat famous for writing a children's book about her husband's death that she wrote to help the grieving process of her children. And it was like a bestseller and it was all sweet and innocent and for kids that are dealing with a a parental uh, figure's death. Um, And then lo and behold, she gets charged because it turns out he was heavily poisoned in a a fentanyl overdose, like 25 times the normal dosage in his uh, liquor drink, his Moscow Mule, that she served him up. And she just had her bond denied. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of proceedings about that. And, you know, basically, at the bond denial kind of hearing, law enforcement has a pretty strong, albeit circumstantial case that not only did she, you know, she tried to uh, and successfully poisoned him, she got fentanyl from the housekeeper. They charged the housekeeper. She's oh, spilling man. the beans and then alluding to all these other attempts to kill him. Her finances are a mess, and she was trying to recover life insurance and other financial benefits due to his death but
0: the housekeeper will sell you out if there's anything we've learned they the will last year <laughs>
1: so this, yeah. Yeah. This, this is um fairly recent this is an article from today's day about how she was very upset in bond court and um disagreeing with everything that law enforcement said her defense lawyers are saying it's circumstantial and that this housekeeper is a lying liar and that the, the state has her threatened with all kinds of charges unless she basically um, cooperates. And the defense lawyers are saying basically you, you know, just because you're bad with money doesn't mean that you're going to kill someone. And that they reverse engineered the prosecution to fit the facts. Um, all right. At least from what I read. But
2: oh, that's right. Is a prime example of how getting law enforcement getting that phone and analyzing that phone early on can be very powerful for the case. Unlike the Stephen Smith case, here they did it right away, and it's her internet searches are very incriminating. It's things like,
0: "How much fentanyl does it take right, to kill my
2: husband?" Right, literally that, or "How do I delete my text my iPhone I information permanently?" or like. <laughs> How do I get paid on life insurance and the death certificate? And also pending.
1: Even like uh, luxury prisons for the rich. I
0: was like, oh. (laughs) Oh, no.
2: (laughs) So like, you know, if you you commit a crime or you plan to commit a crime, for those of you crime committers out there, figure out a way to learn what you need to learn, but don't do it on your phone.
0: They're a library. Go to a library if
2: you're going to go. What is it, the Dewey Decibel System? Yeah, there's free They're library there. access. Just rummage through. Just do you it the old-fashioned way. And
1: if, and if you need a phone, because you got to call people. Get one of those old flip phones. The that you like. I met with a client the other day, and he was, let me call my people, and he whipped out this big old thing. and Boost like, Mobile Cricket. Basically, and I, I was like, oh, nice phone. Um, you know, the early 90s, want their the Motorola rollback and he was like man ain't gonna get me like that and he was like Boop. it just had like yeah. just the number pads that was it no internet no searching just the just. You, or get it get it in that he couldn't even text out there thing he was just
2: dialing numbers get a pager <laughs> and then when you get that pager coded number like the wire then go to a public payphone But and speak can code <laughs> but this guy was old school he was like Shilly they ain't gonna get me like that <laughs> right. yeah So I mean
0: they won't that's smart
2: but she has all the trappings of the suburban housewife, softy Yikes. Mom, who went off the rails. Oh man. Um, so that would be quite interesting.
0: And then just is raking in from this grief book. That is twisted. Corey
1: Richens. So we will be following her case with interest.
0: Her name's Corey. Corey Richens. Corey that's a, the Corey with a K? Corey with a K. Oh. Um, K-O-U-R-I. Richens. Mm -hmm. Corey. I feel like crazy stuff happens in Utah. People kind of get wild out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm watching um, Under the Banner of Heaven with Andrew Garfield. He's like that LDS investigator.
2: Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. It's a
0: a good show. It's freaking wild. Mm -hmm. Freaking wild. All right, guys. Well, we missed you. Um, Thanks for tuning in after our, uh, there, vacation. Um... If you guys have any um, cases that you would like us to discuss, I know a lot of people kind of throughout today's chat mentioned uh, Donald Trump and everything going on with him, um, which is, you know, just huge. And maybe one day we'll discuss all of that. I don't know. Um, Maybe. Yeah. But we definitely want to talk about Corey. Obviously, we still have Brian Koberger and the Idaho Four still on our radar as well. So we're always open to taking new suggestions and yeah, you can always follow us on social media, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, all of that good jazz. If you missed any of this episode and want to catch the full thing, you can find that on pretty much any streaming platform, pending Apple perhaps, but I think we may have found a solution to that. Um, but catch us on Spotify if you want the full video uh, to see these these bronze uh, legal justice <laughs> guys, uh, then you can do that on YouTube. It'll be posted there. And yeah, if you have any questions, Feel free to send us a DM on any of our socials as well. And if you're feeling so generous, you can always donate the link to Donate to This Podcast. You can find it on our social medias as well. It's like the Buy Me a Coffee app uh, that people, people use. So whether we use it for coffee or beer, you will never know. But anyways, it's been great. It's been real. It's been fun. We'll see you next week.
1: And it's been Bring the jury. Yes,
0: <laughs> Back.